I actually don't remember how long it's been since uh, since my last live gig. There is because there is uh, COVID and the lockdowns and all of that. And yeah. oh yeah, and then uh, then I I pretty much came straight out of lockdown and into cancer diagnosis. Yay! Wow. And uh, so so then started with radiotherapy and chemo and uh, and all of that shit. And so that stopped me from gigging for, for the last year. Um, but yeah, looking forward to getting back on stage in, in the next, uh, next couple of months. And hopefully it won't be too long because, well, you know what it's like, man. You, you go for a little while without doing a show and you, you get that itch. And yeah. You, you just want to be up there with a the microphone. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're on the road to, to getting back on the stage, man. Congratulations. Cheers, buddy. That's yeah. Awesome. I mean, That's awesome. And also, I mean, one thing people don't realize about having a really nasty illness is it gives you so much new material as a comic. And like within within a couple of weeks of my diagnosis, I'd, I'd started a folder on my computer under the heading Tumor Humor. And uh, <laughs> you, you can get a lot of mileage out of that shit, man. <laughs> like for... For years, I I always thought there's so many comics on the circuit who uh, who talk about illnesses or disabilities or, or that sort of thing, and I was like, I I don't have one of those quirks that I can fall back on, but but now I do, you know, silver linings, all of that. Sort <laughs> yeah, of thing. exactly. And then yeah, yeah, I mean, you just have a whole new like perspective on on different things, and you're you're you've experienced things that you know yeah. that you haven't experienced before. So it is a whole new world of uh of things you can write about absolutely i mean the drugs you get in hospital are oh. way better than the stuff i've had outside of hospital i mean just the 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 quality control is uh is far superior to some random dude on the street corner in amsterdam <laughs> hell yeah and ladies and gentlemen welcome to the hypothetical comedy podcast i am funky sam medina and i am athena rodriguez and we're here with comedian ed mb hey ed thank you so much for joining us thank you very much for having me hell and yeah. what an intro i've just got to say I mean, <laughs> anybody tuning in for a comedy podcast uh, within the first sentence mm, cancer wow <laughs> This is going to be entertaining. <laughs> Where can we go from here? <laughs> right. It only gets better from here, hopefully. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, fun fact, I, I believe you are the first person that we are having on the podcast that isn't on the same continent as us. Oh, wow. I'm yeah, so that's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. I'm all the way over here in Europe in, uh, in the sunny Netherlands, which are certainly not sunny where everybody is ridiculously tall and ridiculously good looking. And uh, <laughs> so, so I just came here to be out of place permanently, really. That's kind of, that's kind of where you had to be because of that, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> the cheese is good too. You can't knock the cheese in the middle. Oh my gosh. Man, oh, sign me up. Amsterdam is like one of my top absolute favorite places in the world. I want to go. Uh, well, I mean, what's like life like out there? I guess pre-pandemic because I mean I'm sure everything's different now too. <laughs> well, yeah, I I pretty much haven't been outside for three years, so uh, wow. <laughs> no, that's that's a bit of an exaggeration. Um, but yeah, I mean everything in the Netherlands is always pretty laid back, and people people like to take things easily, and 
everybody says exactly what's on their mind, but but as a result of that, nobody takes themselves far too seriously. So uh, yeah, it's a really cool place to be. That's awesome. That's awesome. Have you visited before? No, never. I've never even been out of the country. Oh, dude. Out of the well, US. Get yourself over here, man. Yeah, no, I want to. I really want to go there and yeah. hang out there. How how do uh how do people there feel about like Americans and tourists oh, and, no. and things like that? Because you know, I know that we don't have a good reputation around the world. They would much rather have Americans than Brits. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man. Plot twist. Wow, interesting. <laughs> I wasn't expecting wow. that answer. Me either. Well, the 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 main thing is that the Brits come over here and just drink too much and smoke too much weed and then pass out and throw up in the red light district, oh, and uh, and the Americans come over here and uh, and they don't drink so much because they think that the beer is really really strong and uh, and then they don't smoke as much weed because they think that the weed is really really strong. And- <laughs> And then they don't go to the red light district because they think that hookers are illegal. So, <laughs> so they so just yeah, American hotel and mind their own business. No, they they like do the do the proper touristy things like sightseeing yeah. and uh, art galleries and all of that shit. And, I see. And then occasionally they step into a, occasionally they step into a coffee shop, have a, a single puff of a joint, and then uh, that's it for the day for them. They've got to go back, sleep it off, and then find a new art gallery. <laughs> Wow! As the bridges, the bridges come in and go balls to the balls to the wall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. Yeah, the the British tourists are not popular in uh, in the Netherlands. But I, I should I should clarify, I'm not a British tourist. I've been here for years. My wife is Dutch. I uh, I'm integrated and I don't smoke weed. So uh, I I just I just have to drink the beer and throw up after that. You're everything the Dutch is looking for in a British. <laughs> Something along those lines. <laughs> uh, what was it like for you? Like, where did you uh, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in London, and okay. uh, that was that was a long time ago now. Uh, yeah, I I left the UK many years ago, um, before the whole Brexit vote and all of these things, where we discovered that fifty two percent of the people from my country are idiots. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, I could have told them that they didn't need to have a whole <laughs> referendum. <laughs> Someone had just called me up and said, Ed, I mean, what sort of percentage of your country are complete morons? I could have said it's about half. They didn't need to actually post out these voting cards to everyone in the population to find out. But uh, no, they had to go ahead with that. And I was not responsible for Brexit. Very, uh, very proud. You did your own own Brexit before. I know. I left before it was fashionable. I was... (laughs) Except I actually went to Europe rather than rather than trying to go in the opposite direction. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a long time since I lived in London. I uh, I enjoy going back to visit there. It's it's a fantastic city to visit, but I don't want to live there anymore. It's well, was it that took you to uh, to where you are now? Uh, well, my wife actually. Yeah, I lived in a lived in a few other places around the world and um then my wife convinced me to to move back to europe and uh and yeah we've been here for about five years now that's cool that's cool nice where did you uh where was a few places you lived between between uh london and where you are now in the- oh well i've lived in uh i've lived in france switzerland the middle east uh 
you know, all the all the places that are great for skiing. And uh, so Middle East is well known for its snow. And then I came to the Netherlands, mountains here, fantastic. Um, nearly as good as in the French and Swiss Alps. But uh, yeah, skiing is another thing that I haven't done in quite a long time. But that was that was something we all had to give up in the pandemic as well, though, wasn't it? Yeah, that's no man. That's no transfer to the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's the reason. Yeah, <laughs> and nobody's allowed to go skiing because snow transfers COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, man. You've been all over. How long? Uh, when did? You, at what point in your life did you discover like stand up comedy and discover that's something you wanted to do? That was. Um, that was only in the last five years, actually, since I've been in the Netherlands. And uh, I've, I've always I've always done sort of public speaking and, and that sort of thing. Um, but then there was, there was a comedy show that, uh, that a friend of mine was, was putting on uh, for this, this local group. And uh, they just got in some, some local uh, open micers and uh, some like beginners on the circuit, uh, doing this open mic in a in a bar. And I'd been to a lot of comedy shows. I'd never performed at one. But I was helping them set out the the room at the start. And uh, they told me who these comics were going to be that are performing. And I said, oh, well, who have you got emceeing? And the answer was, well, uh, we, we don't have an emcee. I didn't think we needed one. <laughs> and as someone who'd been to a lot of shows, my reaction was just yours were there, Sam and Athena. It's like, what? Um, okay, you you don't have an MC. <laughs> have you told the comedians you don't have an MC? Because I think they're probably going to have some kind of a reaction as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I was I was told, no, no, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We don't need an MC. It's just a little night with three uh, three comics. I'm like, okay, okay. And then uh, the first performer arrives. What's the first question they ask? Who's emceeing tonight? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, oh, oh, we we don't we don't actually have one. The second performer arrives. Who's emceeing tonight? At which at which point the first comic turns around to the second performer and says, "They don't have one." <laughs> so then, of course, someone comes over to me and like, "Ed, do you think you could emcee tonight?" I'm like, uh, okay. Oh, wow. And so, so I just gave it a go, you know, and, and I really enjoyed it. So um, so then I started going along to open mics and writing some material and, uh, and just progressing on the circuit until till I was doing some fairly regular gigs. And uh, and then, of course, COVID happened, which is how we met. Yeah. When, when you were doing your shows around the world and uh, I, I headlined for your, your Dutch gig, which was – a load of fun it was a lot of fun absolutely yeah. yeah but uh yeah since then things things have changed temporarily for me so uh i haven't managed to do do any uh, any live shows for quite a while but yeah as i say really really looking forward to getting back on stage as soon as i can hell yeah wonderful that's awesome uh that time when they asked you to emcee that first show had you been doing open mics before that or was that like your first time that you did try to do comedy at all that was my first time wow i'd uh as i say i'd done public speaking and um, i'd i'd played musical gigs and i the, if you're if you're a vocalist 
on stage as a musician and then the the chat and banter that you have in between songs is a little bit like emceeing for yourself and uh so i i called on on some of that for my first ever attempt but i mean yeah as with everybody's first gig you look back at that and you think holy shit did i actually say that out loud uh, <laughs> yeah. why why did people laugh at that that's just not <laughs> funny uh, <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm pleased to say I've improved a little bit since then. But that that was that was my in at the deep end baptism of fire sort of thing. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's incredible. You like so the over the Zoom times. There's a few comics that I've that I've seen that really like stood out to me as like something special. And you're absolutely one of them. And I when I saw oh, thank you, you very much that Netherlands show because I didn't I didn't know you. There's uh, I was doing these these shows these different countries and it was super fun and I was, you know, getting one person and going, Hey, can you find some people? Can you help me, you know, book it? Cause I didn't really know the people in the area. And so Bert, you know, recommended you as the headliner and you just blew me away. And I just, I absolutely loved your comedy. And, and so I've been wanting to like work with you ever since uh, there's been a time in, I think it was 2021 we were yeah. doing uh, these these comedy shows in the evening time and you had just become a father at that point. And so uh, time right, zones yeah. were, Time zones were weird for us, and and you you know your life was kind of upside down. Uh, how's how's uh, congratulations and how's how's fatherhood? For Thank you. you. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Well, uh, at that point, that was that was my second kid arriving, so she just turned two. Oh, okay. It was uh, your second. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My daughter just turned two years old uh, a week or two ago, and wow. uh, so it was around oh, yeah, last around week. This time. Yeah, and um, and so well, she's brilliant. She's that age where everything in her world is related to frozen uh, <laughs> uh, which which is amazing and she has an incredible sense of humor as well for a two-year-old it's just ridiculous like the the other day um we when she was turning two we we got her a new a new bed a, a big girl bed rather than like a baby bed um and so uh my my wife and i we were in her room building this this bed putting together the the bits and uh the previous day my wife had put together a new bookcase for her room as well and so the two-year-old had been there with my wife building the bookcase and she was really happy that she could hold the screwdriver and she could like take part and uh and so it's a day later i'm there with my daughter and her mother and uh and we're putting together this bed in her room and uh, and she comes up and, and stands over my shoulder. I'm crouching down on the floor with the screwdriver. And she goes, Papa, bookcase. Right? No, no, no. This is this is a bed. She says, No. Bookcase. <laughs> right? no, this this is a bed. You you built a bookcase with, with your mum yesterday. No, no. Bookcase. Right? Okay, um it that's the bookcase. That's the one that you built. And, and today, this is this is a bed. This is your new bed. There's no papa, bookcase. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. It's a fucking bookcase. <laughs> and she oh. completely deadpan says, "Nay, papa, bed." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, you worked for you worked for three four minutes on that setup. <laughs> Managed to keep a completely straight face and then just absolutely <laughs> murdered me with the punchline. With this, 
This is pro stuff, yeah? <laughs> you can't make that up. That's incredible. No, she's just she's just drilled through it. Dang. Um, oh I, man, you're you're in for it. Yeah. Oh boy. No, no, <laughs> my my other kid, my other kid uh, is four years old now. He's uh, he's just He's amazing. He's incredibly intelligent and ridiculously big for his age. So the the guy's going to be a rugby player, no doubt. Um, and he's got he's got the the MB massive head as well. We always <laughs> we always say we we know he's my son because he's got a big melon head like me. And uh, and this evening at, at dinner, um, <laughs> we're sat down and uh, my my wife said to me, oh. Isn't it going to be great? I mean, I think I think when when you're done with all your treatment and everything, we should get in some really great steaks because because uh, I got I got a really nice set of steak knives for for my birthday at the end of last year and I haven't had a chance to use them. And so she said we should get some really nice steaks so that you can use those really nice steak knives. At which point, my four year old son says, "Mama, you shouldn't use that bad word." And I'm like, what? what? And both my wife and I, we look at each other confused. And uh, I, I, I said to her, you, you didn't use a bad word, did you? And I, I said to my son, did you hear, did you think mama said a bad word? Did you think she said shit or something? <laughs> and, and he's like, no, that's not a bad word. Shit, shitty, shit, shit, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> like, what, what part of what? My wife said, did he think was a swear word? And so I, I can only assume that my four-year-old son's teacher at primary school is a vegan. It's the only explanation. <laughs> I, I know that you're vegans, guys. So uh, <laughs> no Well, offense. we were. We were. You were? Uh, when I met you. That was a long time ago, though. Oh, I see. <laughs> it was a fun experiment while it lasted. You realized that was a mistake. Yeah, that was. Yes. <laughs> That was a mistake. Actually, we wanted to like kind of like go back to a more modified version of it because we did feel better when we were eating. Yeah, we life. did. Now we just feel like crap all the time, but we're uh, eating what we want to eat. It's, it's, a, it's a give. It's a give. It's a give and take. You know, it's like don't want to feel good or don't want to eat good food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's always the difference, you know. Yeah. And. <laughs> Oh my gosh, though. Yeah, you do have your hands full with both these kids. And you have some great stories that, you know, when you do get back on stage, you definitely could tell these stories. And, uh, and that's it. I mean, they, they provide me with, with endless material. And, uh, I, I have to be careful. The last time I was on a podcast, um, was, was a while back. And I was invited on these, these guys came to a show and, uh, and they saw me at that gig. And they said, look, we, we do this, this weekly show and, uh, and we'd love to get you on um, just as a, to, as a comedy interlude, just so that you can take part as part of the panel. We'll be discussing like some TV show or something. And uh, so they invited me on to, to discuss this show. Emily in Paris, do you guys know it? No, I don't think so. No? Okay. Well, um, yeah, I, I didn't really know it either. So I looked into it. <laughs> Looked into it beforehand and like read some reviews on it. Watched an episode, or well, I didn't didn't even manage to watch a full episode. It's, let's just say it's not my thing, yeah. And so we 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 do this show, and they're asking me about Emily in Paris and uh, and how I think it relates to 
to the life of um, a foreigner living in a European city. And I, I was completely honest about it. Yeah. And uh, so I said, first of all, I mean, it's pretty fucking racist the, the way that they're talking about French people. And, and it's, it's just cliched and, and jingoistic and it's this arrogant American woman. And, and I was panning this show. Yeah. Turns out the reason they're talking about Emily in Paris is they love it. Oh, damn. They love it. <laughs> and, and so I just spent 20 minutes, half an hour, absolutely demolishing this show and basically calling them racists for liking it. And, and it's, it's just getting a little bit more uncomfortable with every minute that goes along. And, and they ask me to, like you were, they're, they're talking about fatherhood and, uh, and what it's like being a, a dad of a kid in a, what's, what is a foreign country for me. And, and, and I told this, uh, this story about, about when my kid was a baby and it had diarrhea and literally fucking redecorated the baby room. And uh, <laughs> so, so in the space of half an hour, I've gone on their radio show. I've completely slated their favorite TV program. I've basically insulted their whole reason for living, called them racists and then talked to them about baby shit. So <laughs> relatively, I think this is going really well. Yeah, no, and we don't. I mean, we're 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 definitely emphasis to comedy, so we don't mind baby shit at all. Oh no! <laughs> as well, long as it doesn't it. get on us, you know. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about that. I mean, the one of the one of the small mercies of uh, of being fairly ill for for the last year is that my wife has done far more than her fair share of looking after the kids and uh, so i have had to deal with very few nappies and diapers and uh, i'm I'm quite pleased with that I mean, <laughs> cancer does have its benefits nobody ever talks about that you know <laughs> well, there you it's go. <laughs> especially as comedians it's not a subject that comes up nobody nobody goes on stage picks up the microphone and says so cancer know what i mean and it, it's not going to get a big laugh straight off the bat but uh, yeah, there, there are these fringe benefits. First of all, the moment you tell people you got cancer, you get visited by everybody, and they're all they're all bringing gifts for the family. Like everybody comes to see you. They're like, "Oh, have you got time for me to come and visit? I know it's only six thousand miles. I'll I'll, get, I'll be on the flight tomorrow." It's like they they kind of assume you're going to be dead tomorrow, and uh, so so you get all these visitors. You get people inviting you to stay everywhere and um, uh, it's not like those people who are always saying well if if you want someone to talk to i'm here those people first of all they're not there they don't want you to talk to them and secondly if you do start talking to them about cancer they don't know what to fucking say yeah (laughs) so uh, yeah yeah, that there's no point in saying that if if you don't really mean it don't say it but the the other thing, if if I'd known how many old friends would get in touch, I would have got cancer ages ago, man. I mean, it's, it's like you, you pick up on all these conversations you think that, that you've lost. And, oh, birthday presents. Dude, I got more birthday presents last year than I've had since I was like 10 years old. Seriously. Wow. Maybe people are thinking like, I mean, maybe he's not got long left. I might get it back soon. So they buy you something that they'd really like. 
And uh, and so then, yeah, if if you've got cancer and you survive, you get to keep all this shit. Fucking bring <laughs> Yeah, like the stick knives. Absolutely. Awesome <laughs> stick knives. And... <laughs> That's a good That's one. cool. Yeah. <laughs> But I just for the listeners here, I am absolutely not encouraging anybody to fake a cancer diagnosis in order to get <laughs> more gifts for their birthday. Yeah, that would be that would be thoroughly unethical. So uh, do not do that. And if if you ever mention that you got the idea from me, I will. I'm not going to say I'll hunt you down and do something nasty because I'm too lazy for that. Yeah, um, you probably I'll, deny it for a while. Yeah. I'll, I'll absolutely <laughs> deny it. I will. I will hunt down every copy of this podcast. <laughs> I'll find them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it'll go. So, yeah, cancer has its good points, you know. Well, you there you go. And I mean, that's that's loads of material because, like you said, uh, you know, if you go on stage and you know you you, you cancer, you say cancer, it's kind of ooh, but then. If you can make it funny, then people are gonna love what yeah. you what you present to them. And I know, I mean, you're you're hilarious, and this, you know, you're being really funny with it now, and just talking to us. And I think that you know, if you sit down and craft some material, like you can really make it incredible. Oh, cheers, man! I mean, yeah, it it helped me as well, you know. Yeah, in that sort of situation, it, it's it's like being hit in the face by a 30 ton truck it's i'm not i'm not of the age where you expect that to happen and the doctors were surprised they were saying like you're you're too young for this i mean most of the people we we see with this diagnosis are like twice your age um but yeah 39 years old and then the doctors are like you got you got stage three cancer we need to get you booked in for radiotherapy and chemotherapy straight away we we're gonna have to do that for for like six months and then you're gonna have surgery and uh, i mean this is my life for the last year dealing dealing with that sort of shit but you've got to have something to get through it absolutely Um, and for me part of that is is humor Uh, like looking at the situation and thinking yeah i'm I'm a 39 year old with colon cancer. I've got to go through this shit. It's going to be fucking painful. It's really going to turn my life upside down, but let's see if I can find some stuff in here that I can use, that I can take with me, that I can enjoy and, uh, and take my mind off the fact that I've got like this, this hard lump of flesh, the size of a carrot long way up my ass. I mean, you, you'd know what that feels like, right, Sam? Uh, oh maybe <laughs> having, <laughs> having like I mean, a hard fleshy carrot shaped thing oh, no. oh i can even imagine <laughs> yeah. Ouch. but but no this is the sort of the sort of way that i approach it that yeah you, you think of this this horrible situation and then you think of how how can i turn this into something funny how can i turn this into something that i can use to to make people enjoy their life and and to help me enjoy my life and yeah and then you know you never know when like somebody needs that in their life and then you bring that to them like i i was doing this it was just a silly joke about divorce and and joint custody like i got a joint and she got custody you know like (laughs) it's just a silly little thing and some guy literally (laughs) came up to me after the show and he was like dude i'm going through divorce and i've been really depressed and that really like made me laugh and i just really love that and i love the light that you put onto that 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as comedians, I think it's our responsibility to find that that joy in the darkness. I mean, there's, there's so much shit that goes on every day. And, uh, and comedians, we, we stand up and we talk about all of this shit and, and we make it enjoyable no matter how rubbish it is. And during the, during the, the whole lockdowns and all of that, we, we were all writing jokes about COVID and about the pandemic and about, uh, the difficulties that we all had yeah. and everybody was going through the same thing. So it brought a lot of people together. I mean, that's how we know each other from, from that situation. If it wasn't for COVID and the pandemic and lockdowns, you and I would never have met. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, probably never in different countries, other side of the world. Exactly. Probably never. It's like a million to one chance that absolutely that we would be gigging in the same place at the same time. But because of this, this really horrible situation that happened to to all of us simultaneously around the world. Uh, we're sitting here today having a chat about about how good life is right now, basically. Yeah. Yeah. We you know, we came to we came through the, to the other side on the, on the COVID situation. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, speaking of that, did you do a lot of Zoom shows when you were when the COVID thing happened? Like, how did you transition from like the live thing to the Zooms? Um, well, through, yeah, the, I had previously done like, uh, video recordings and webinars and, and presentations online and that sort of thing. And, uh, so one of the first things that, that I did with lockdown was, um, with, with some friends and colleagues, we, we started putting on quizzes for, for people that we knew, uh, I know lots of people were doing these online quizzes and that sort of thing. Um, we started doing that straight away. Um, and then people started doing these Zoom shows. And everybody was a bit reluctant to do it. But yeah, yeah, they were. I was fine with that because I, I had a little bit of experience of, of doing these webinars and stuff already. So, so I didn't have a, a problem with that. <laughs> and I didn't do a lot of them, I would say, but I was doing maybe maybe one a month um maybe two a month I, I really don't remember it feels like so long ago now it does it's crazy yeah but um yeah as as you saw i've got my my little pub in the back garden which, i love um, i love, love that it. bar you know uh for for a little bit in the beginning i was trying to figure out if it was like a virtual background or if it was like <laughs> yeah. a, real, a real bar it, it looks yeah, incredible that was, that was my venue for for online gigs and wow. um i I decided when I bought this house, I decided I was going to build a pub in that shed in the back garden. And like the, the real estate agent was showing us around the house and I saw out, out the back window across the garden, there's this, the shed and it's, it's a large shed. And so I pointed to it and uh, I said, said to my wife, that's a pub. And the estate agent was like, no, no, that's, um, that's a bicycle where you, and it's a shed where you keep your bicycles. It's a bicycle shed. Like no no that's a pub. And she goes no really it's a bicycle shed. Like uh, that's a pub. And my wife had to step in and say I think he means he's going to turn it into a pub. But I'm I'm only now realizing where my daughter got that bit from. Like, <laughs> she she must have heard me tell the story and she's like this is the format. 
That's not and a then bed. At the end, he said, bookcase. okay, it is a bicycle <laughs> set. And the lady's like, no, it's a pub, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I uh, I built I built the pub and the bar and uh, and put in the beer tap and that sort of thing. And it was finished like two, three months before the lockdown started. Oh, perfect. Perfect uh, timing. Did you install it yourself? Like, did you physically yeah, do yeah. it? Wow. Yeah, I, I built all of that and and did all the carpentry and everything. And um, and then when lockdown came along, because, of course, I built this pub in my garden and only a handful of people have been in there for a beer. And, and everyone's like, dude, how often are you really going to use this? Right. And, and then COVID hits. <laughs> Everything's on lockdown. Every pub in the fucking world is closed except one. Oh, and, wow. And so the first night of lockdown, my my Instagram, I'm, I'm like there at the bar in my little pub with a beer. I'm like, hmm, who's stupid for building a pub now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But Does yeah, that was... Have a, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, that was my venue for for all of the online gigs. Yeah, and, that's awesome. Uh, does your pub have a name? It it does. It does. Um, I I'm not sure if I can actually go through this on on this podcast because um, the whole point is that my parents don't find out. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, that's good enough. <laughs> you know you can what? Tell me Fuck off it. Off the air, if you want. No, no. I'm going to go ahead with it. So the okay. pub is called. The pub is like a. It's like a traditional old English pub name it's called the fat pig in the tree yeah and that that sounds that sounds like a traditional english pub name right (laughs) yeah sure but i live in the netherlands and so there's a translation of the fat pig in the tree and uh fat pig in the tree in dutch is dick fucking in a bum So it's like it's like so, a code name. It's like a secret name. <laughs> so, so the pub is called the Fat Pig in the Tree. There's a there's a beautiful sign outside the door of a of a slightly overweight pig sat on a branch of a of a large tree, and we've got we've got coasters on the bar with the logo saying Fat Pig in the Tree. We've got a a, a standing table for summer evenings that we put outside with the logo on saying Fat Pig in the Tree. It's uh, it's it's a whole whole branding exercise now, but wow. uh, That's yeah, incredible. So it was great for lockdown gigs because I, mean, I I can't do I can't do stand up comedy sitting down. I can do like an interview like this, but if I want to do a gig, I want to be standing up. I want to be animated, and yeah, uh, yeah. and so I I tried having the camera in here uh, in in the guest room and uh, standing in front of it. I, I tried with a green screen behind me, all of these sorts of things. I tried standing in the garden that didn't work. But when I set up the camera in the pub for the first time pointed with the bar behind me, I'm like, yes, yes. This feels like I'm doing a gig. It feels like I'm in wow. a so club. Cool. So that's uh, amazing. I love yeah. it. I love that too. I want to make it a goal to, to have a beer with you in that pub someday. <gasps> Absolutely. So cool. Yeah, you are you are more than welcome anytime. You just oh, yeah. get yourself over to the Netherlands. That's and... the hard part, right? Yeah. yeah. But once <laughs> yeah, I once, yeah exactly quite a once swim. I'm there, I'll just let you know, and then we'll we'll do that. But that yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> exactly, man. I'll, I'll pick you up from the airport. You can stay in a spare room. Hell yeah, even right outside the door here. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're more than welcome. Just 
Just get your ass over the Atlantic. <laughs> I love it. All right, I'll try. I'll try. I'll take some swim lessons real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I love it though. I love it. I love your pub. That's awesome. Um, so, like, like I said earlier, you're really, you're a really funny comic, and I really just enjoyed your comedy. Like, who are your comedy heroes? Because I know that you know you're from a different place than where I'm from, so we probably, I probably don't really know. But who are some of the people that really like inspired you? that you loved um, in comedy? Oh, wow. Um, there, there are so many comics that I, that I love for different reasons. And I, I love the surrealism of Eddie Izzard. Oh, um, my God. Oh, yes. I'm going I'm to stop you for a second. We saw, we saw Eddie uh, live two times. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It Athena's, was wonderful. Yeah, Eddie is Athena's favorite comedian of all yes. time. Oh yeah. He's, yeah, he's absolutely amazing. And absolutely. I love his his surrealism. I love like uh the the sort of deadpan humor that you get from someone like uh like Jack D uh or um or George Carlin. Yeah. Uh, I, I I love Ed Byrne for his sort of uh, a wacky machine gun style. I, I love like the the playful comedians uh, comedy that you get from someone like Michael McIntyre. Uh, there are so many comics that I like for different reasons. I I can never like pick one out and oh, say I feel the same way. That's my favorite. It's like people people ask you what's your favorite band or what's your favorite song, and I mean, there's probably one that you've listened to most in the last couple of months, but it wouldn't be the same answer that you would give six months ago or a year ago. And I, I think comedy is a lot like music that if, if you appreciate the different styles and, and pick up from each of them, then you can take so much more from it. I, yeah. I would never think, yeah, I, I only like that style of comic because uh, I don't like people who, tell jokes about squirrels or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think there's there's so many comedians doing cool different things that I couldn't pick out one who's who's my absolute favorite. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. I'm I glad that. that's a lot of that's a lot of good comics to to be inspired by. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what what was what's it like to because uh, when you first started doing you did that one gig where they asked you to MC and then from there you kind of started doing open mic like talk about open micing a little bit uh, yeah, in Amsterdam because like? I can imagine it's you know the same as what I'm used to. Um, the open mic scene and the comedy scene in Amsterdam is pretty intense to be honest. Um, the I've I've done gigs in other parts of Europe and in other cities and. Uh, it it always seems a little bit easier than than back oh, home. That's interesting. I don't I don't know if that's a, a thing that all comics go through, um, but maybe it's just the thing about having uh, a foreign crowd and feeling you can always fall back on your your old reliable material if uh, if you need to. Whereas if you're gigging in your home city then you always feel like you've got to use new stuff and, and you can't yeah. use the same jokes over and over. Um, but yeah, the Amsterdam scene, there's, it's really good for a start. There's loads of international comedy. Um, there's, there's a great scene for 
for Dutch comics, of course, but there's a huge scene for for English language comedy, and loads of really well known comics have have started out here, and uh, so you've got organisations like Boom Chicago and the Comedy Cafe, uh, which have like top comics from around the world that that perform there, and uh, we. Everybody knows each other. It's it's quite a small, tight scene. There are still the cliques that you're going to get in any comedy circuit anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> of and there, there's um, there's there's to some degree like the the backstabbing and niggling and all of that. that, oh, man. that you're you're just going to have that yeah. from. You know, from you can never, I don't think that's ever not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> but. Yeah, it it is a tight knit community, and I've made so many so, such good friends. And uh, like over the last twelve months, there've been so many comics reaching out to me, seeing how I've been doing, and and uh, like supporting me through through this situation, which is just fantastic. But yeah. gigging in Amsterdam can be hard work. Uh, it, you get extremes from like the really warm crowd who will uh, absolutely wet themselves laughing when you just introduce yourself to uh, to like a room full of people who just give the impression they're on the way home from a funeral and decided to stop in here for a glass of (laughs) and it so you you go through that that wide range of uh, of different rooms different venues and I guess, I guess, much like you will have experienced in in San Francisco and the Bay Area, you, you've got this diversity of venues where some are like massive theaters and and some are like little cafes where you can only get ten people between you and the barista, and the barista is <laughs> going to keep on making cappuccinos the whole way through your set. So, <laughs> yeah, or uh, doing dishes or something like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like you go up, go up to the stage, pick up the mic, you know, like, hi everybody, I'm Ed MB, and <laughs> <laughs> that's nothing to do with the sound system. That's just the dude frothing the milk right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, it's very true. It's definitely true. I, I guess, I guess it is the same universally because that's how it is for me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, I do want to go out there and visit and check it out. Um, so you said that you you said you don't smoke weed. Have you ever have visited the cafes? Because I do want to. Know oh what yeah, that's yeah. Like. Of course, yeah. I've I I have smoked weed in the past, and uh, I've I've been to the cafes. Uh, I I I just don't I just don't enjoy smoking weed to be honest. Um, when when I was going through chemo, I had this. Uh, this cannabis candy that a friend of mine had made for me, which um, it's, it's really great for like helping you sleep and getting your, your sleep cycles in, in check and it stops the, the nausea and that sort of shit. So I'm not, I'm not like anti weed. Uh, it just doesn't do it for me. You know, it's not my thing. Um, but I've, I've been to the, the coffee shops and in the past when I, when I did smoke, when I was like a teenager, then I've, I've been in there for a joint. But yeah. The the last time I had a joint from a coffee shop in, in Amsterdam was like uh, well, three or four years ago. And it hit me like an absolute ton of bricks. I just whited out within like 20 oh minutes. 
I was an absolute mess. I, I was like one of those British tourists. Yeah. If, <laughs> if I'd had a few beers beforehand, I guarantee I would have been throwing up in the red light district within like 20 minutes. Oh <laughs> All of the Dutch people walking past and saying, yeah, it's another one. She, I fucking told you, I heard about this on a podcast. <laughs> That's incredible. So what oh, do you? That's right, because it's stronger. Yes, yeah, he said it's stronger. So what do you do? Just go in there, and be like, "Oh, I'll take one joint, please," and they just kind of give you like <laughs> a list of the different types of joints they have, and they yeah, just they've, they've got a menu, dude. Wow, got a menu. that's so cool. That's crazy. You can go in and uh, I, I think you can buy up to five grams or something from the coffee shops, or you can buy pre-rolled joints and that sort of thing, um, or like you can rent a bong from them or buy. <laughs> Whoa. hash brownies just whatever whatever way you want to take your weed you go into the coffee shops and they'll sort you out but they they literally have a menu you go in and uh, and you look down and there's like a price list and it's got a description of of what the effects are and like this is this is an indica sativa blend from morocco and it, it's and they tell you what the effects are whether you're going to get uh like a, a buzz or you'll be spaced out or you'll suddenly develop <laughs> a british accent and start fighting with a police officer and uh, right. it's just you you pick what you want you you pay your money and they're like there you go off you go please don't throw up in the red light district <laughs> <laughs> that's cool is it is it just open to the public or do you have to have like a license or any kind of anything no it's it's open to the public i mean they've just recently uh changed or they've just recently proposed that they're changing the law so that the places in the red light district supposedly will no longer be able to sell weed. Um, but I mean, there's going to be so many coffee shops that are just outside the red light district anyway. So that's really not yeah. going to make much of a difference. Not really. Affect, but, yeah. um, no, the, the places there are, I mean, most of them, some of them have a license to sell alcohol and that sort of thing. I don't honestly know what the situation is, whether they need a license to sell weed, or anything like that, but they have inspections to make sure that they're not like selling huge amounts of it or, uh, I don't know, funding terrorism. <laughs> no, I just mean like, uh, like the public, the general public could just walk in. There's not like, yeah, because here, because here for a long time, I guess not now, because in California, you have, you know, recreational, or whatever, but for a long time, you wouldn't need like a medical prescription or whatever. Oh, no, you don't need anything like that. You just need some money. That's it. <laughs> That's you just awesome. you just walk in and as I mean if you're if you're completely off your tits when you walk in the door then they're not gonna give you anything. Like uh but if if you're just a little bit fucked, like tripping a bit on mushrooms, smelling a bit of vodka, you, then you're okay. But no, it, they're they're pretty responsible about it and they they won't sell like a, a shopping bag full of white widow to to some 12 year old uh they it's it's basically well regulated so it's uh it looks after itself most of the time that's cool yeah and i'm sure i'm sure uh for the most part the people kind of just respect it they don't try to push the boundaries too yes except for the british tourists except for right yeah we all know their trouble <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah awesome hell yeah Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ed. It's been super fun talking to you and getting to know you a little bit it's better. It's been a pleasure. It's been Absolutely. a pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, for anyone listening, you can you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. 
the handle's the same on both. You go to edmbnl, so E-D-M-B-N-L. And uh, yeah, follow me on there. Uh, I hope to be gigging again soon. So I hope to catch you all when, when I'm back on stage and uh, and all fixed up and patched up. And yeah, it'll be cool. Maybe I'll be over in the Bay Area. We can do some gigs in, in San Fran or Oakland. That would be awesome. Have you been? I, I was going to ask you, I kind of forgot though. Have you been to the U.S.? I... <laughs> I have been to the U.S. once on a stopover on the way to Canada. So, okay. oh. so you just basically went That's to the it. airport or what? That's it. Yeah, I, I stopped in the counts. airport. And it, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go. My brother actually lives in uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, okay. That's, so, a, that's the other, other side, but that's cool. Yeah, though. completely the other side of the country yeah. from you. So <laughs> about, I think that's about as far from you as it's uh, possible. me. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Probably. Wow. Um, so, it's as far from me as humanly possible to still be in the same country. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> the distance from here to Boston is about the same as the distance from Boston to to uh, San Francisco Bay. So, uh, wow. yeah. Uh, but I, I still haven't been over to visit him. He's lived there for a few years. But, of course, had the lockdown and everything in between yeah. time. Uh, but. That's cool. Yeah, I, hope, I, I hope you're I able to figure to out to visit them soon. And like I said, when I uh, when I'm able to go out there, I'll definitely let you know, and uh, we'll have a beer. Awesome. Pub. Cool. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks very much for having me. Hell yeah! And then you can find me on social media at Funky Sam Medina and me at She Shines for You, all spelled out. And everything else is at Hypothetical Comedy. Great stuff. Hell yeah! Have a good day, guys. <laughs>